This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 37. We're calling this one The Spoilers. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Of course, your radio home for every Cubs game on the radio. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how the heck are you on this fine Thursday late afternoon? I say I'm doing better than the Phillies' playoff chances. Uh, you. Oh, you you can find me at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us on Fly the W670 on Instagram and Twitter, on Fly the W on Facebook, and you can email us at flythew at gmail.com. Now, when we were with you guys last, I think I was the one who said the Cubs would only win one game, and I thought that would be the Wednesday evening game because I am all on, on West Nasty. And uh, not only did they win that game, they won a couple other games, and we are going to walk you through those right now, starting with game number one, which was started by Marcus Stroman for the Cubs, Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Great pitching matchup like we anticipated, and Stroh's show was in full effect. But first off, in the bottom of the third, Christopher Morrell with an oppo taco to right center. Cubs are up one nothing. The guy hit a home run the day after hanging out with us at Club 400. Top of the six, Bryson Stott walks. Schwarber strikes out swinging. Reese Hopkins strikes out swinging. Bryce Harper doubles. Stott scores, and the game's tied at one. Bottom of the seventh, Ian Happ with a leadoff single. Horner lines out. Wisdom grinds out, grounds out, but Happ goes to second. And then Jan Gomes with a clutch two-out double to right. Happ scores, and the Cubs take a 2-1 lead, and that'll be your final. Stroman, seven innings pitch, four hits, one run, one walk, six Ks. Uh, Hughes with the hold and man, Manny Rodriguez with the save. The offense only had two runs on seven hits, three left on base, one for three with runners in scoring position. Happ and Gomes were both two for three, and Morrell was one for three with the home run. On the flip side, Wheeler went six innings pitch, five hits, one run, one walk, five Ks. The offense only had one run on five hits, uh, four left on base, 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. But take a look at Marcus Stroman's last two home starts. Remember, he was struggling to get that first home victory. 14 innings pitch, 11 Ks, two earned runs, 1.29 ERA. Awfully impressive. Uh, and I, I was I was there. I was in line. I wasn't at the game. I was there in line as one of the people trying to figure out exact what exactly what Marcus Stroman is. I'm still not sure that he's a number two, but I think he's a number three and a possibly really good uh, rotation, Crowley. Also, I got to hand it, like, Jan Gomes has had an unbelievable second half. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I don't know what all the stats are exactly. I'm just talking about, like, when I feel like, when I'm watching the games on the Marquee Sports Network and I'm listening to the games on 670 to score, it always seems like Jan Gomes is doing something in big situations. 
seems to get a lot of clutch big hits and, and and he does a great job with the pitching staff which has just an amazing era since the all-star break and uh yeah absolutely great pickup absolutely a great pickup all right so the cubs have won game one they jump out on top of the phillies one game to none that takes us into wednesday when hayden westneski or west nasty was facing off against Aaron Nola, and there was a rumor crawley that you were in the bleachers for this one I was in the bleachers. I got I, I got to watch Hayden, and it's just so funny. He's just, like I said, he's just a very upbeat, high-energy kid. Uh, and Aaron Nola, the Cubs struggle against him a lot. Top of the third one out, Kyle Schwarber hit by a pitch. Uh, Reese Hoskins singles, so Schwarber gets to second. Then Kyle Schwarber steals third. People forget he has wheels. Bryce Harper hits a sack fly, and the Phillies are up one nothing. Bottom of the fifth, at this point, Nola had only given up a first-inning single to uh, Kairos, but Nico singles, he steals second. Patrick Wisdom singles. He got Cubs at the corner. Gomes, unfortunately, grounds into a force out. Wisdom's out at second. Nico scores. So the game is tied at one. Alfonso Rivas hit by a pitch, and then Christopher Morel does it again, a three-run homer this time. Two homers in a row for Christopher Morel, and the Cubs take a four to one lead. Absolutely Boom goes amazing. The dynamite, Crowley. Boom goes the dynamite. How was the atmosphere when that happened? It, the place erupted. It actually, I was I was in left center ish, and all of a sudden I was just kind of like, it wasn't as crowded as you would expect. And you know, it's a little cold, cooler night last night. Game, all that stuff. But I'm like running down to try to see like if it's gonna make it. It was close, but it hit like the board and then went into the basket. So it wasn't a basket homer, but it was, it was awesome. And the place was going nuts. Uh, Philly's had a run on my couch by myself. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. He's just, when, when, when he's, when he's doing well, even when he's not doing well, Christopher Morel's a fun kid to watch, but when he's doing well, it just makes it all the, all the more fun. The Phillies had a run in the seventh, but that's it. The Cubs win four to two. Uh, Wesneski did okay. Five innings pitched, six hits. He was kind of in and out of uh, trouble a little bit here, but he never really gave up the big hit. Uh, one run, two walks, three Ks. Hughes with the hold and Manny Rodriguez with the save again. So you're starting to see maybe some guys develop into roles here. Offense had four runs on six hits, four left on base, two for four with runners in scoring position. Kairos was two for four. Morel one for three with three RBIs on that homer. For the Phillies, Nola had six innings pitch. Again, only one until he got it, only uh, one hit until he got into that fifth inning. He ended up with five hits total, four runs, eight Ks. The offense had two runs on 11 hits, 12 men left on base, two for 16 with runners in scoring position. Hoskins, three for four. Castellanos, three for four. And you're just looking at this, Dustin, and you see the pressure. Same thing we talked about with the Mets. The Phillies are. I, I didn't even check up the most recent update. They may be behind Milwaukee at this point. So, you know, it, it is – You see, when I remember, God, it was 20, uh, 2018 when the Cubs were leading the division with a couple weeks left, and all of a sudden Milwaukee went on a tear, and the Cubs were just kind of sliding, and they couldn't score any runs. Same thing. And you just – with every pitch, it's magnified. And every time you don't get a runner in scoring position, it builds – and builds and builds, and you just saw it with the Phillies this series. Yeah, they are playing awfully, awfully tight. They're getting hits, but no timely hitting. Pitching's been pretty decent overall for them, but absolutely not one clutch hit. Not one. Nope. And so that takes us to game three, Javier Assad versus Ranger Suarez. Bottom of the first, Contreras doubles. Suzuki is back. 
He singles. Contreras to third. Half reaches on a fielder's choice out. Wilson thrown out at home. One of those contact plays. But yeah. Wisdom doubles. Suzuki scores. Half to third. Cubs are up one nothing. Um, it's just one of those things that was frustrated because Horner reached on a fielder's choice next, but Suarez gets half out at home. And then Framil Reyes was robbed of uh, what looked like extra bases with a shot in right field, but they, they made it like it should have been. It felt like it should have been a three, nothing after one Crawley. That's what, that's what had me scared. That's what had me scared as we went through this game. You had two guys thrown out at the plate in the inning, and you had one guy who got robbed of extra base hits. Like you said, that should have been a crooked number. Ranger Suarez, though, he induces a lot of ground balls, and similar to uh, similar to Marcus Stroman, induces a lot of ground balls and is a very good – he fields his position very well, and you saw that, and unfortunately no good. Bottom of the fifth, two outs. Seiya Suzuki hits one, and the center fielder loses it in the sun, and Seiya is hustling right out of the box. He ends up on third. That's how you do it. To all you youngsters out there, (laughs) you're paying attention. When you're at Wrigley Field, you never know what's going to happen. You should just in general run out every ball hard. But especially at Wrigley Field where the conditions, you never know what you're going to get. And it didn't matter because Ian Happ had a clutch single after that and Seiya scores. Cubs lead 2-0. So, I mean, he would have scored probably on that single anyway. But just saying that 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 getting those extra ninety feet make a difference. Oh, huge difference! Listen, go talk to a White Sox fan or a White Sox broadcaster. I mean, the absolute one of the arm length list of problems that the twenty twenty two White Sox had is the fact that they don't hustle. They don't hustle, and the Cubs right. hustle. Right, and you're you're talking about one of your top paid free agents, right? He's out there running his tail off. And so the Cubs win 2 nothing. Assad, five innings pitch, five hits, zero runs, two walks, three Ks. Thompson, three innings pitched, one hit, two walks, three Ks. So you saw uh, Michael Rucker had a really nice inning, too, in between those two guys. But we're talking about the, this bridge, this piggyback-type situation. You, again, we've talked about it on this podcast. Be prepared to see it in the future. But it worked out really well. The offense had two runs on seven hits, 11 left on base, three for 14 with runners in scoring position, but Suzuki and Wisdom both two for three. For the Phillies, Ranger Suarez, six innings pitched, seven hits, two runs, one walk, five Ks. He's the unlucky loser because the offense didn't support him. Zero runs on six hits, nine left on base, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. That was the 11th shutout of the season for the Cubs. The rotation has a 304 ERA in the All-Star break, ranking third in MLB in that span. That comes from Jordan Bastion. And then get this one, Dustin. Megan Montemuro tweeted out that the Cubs finished 21-10 and 10 against the NL East. The How about best, that? The, How about that? Yeah. 21 and 10, Crowley. That, yeah, the that, high, caught my, that caught my attention as well. Their highest winning percentage against the NL East in franchise history. And that's a good division, you know, when you take a look at the the Atlanta, the Phillies, the Mets, you know, and the Cubs never play well in Three of those teams potentially are going to make the postseason. Potentially. Right. So, you know what, man? Just good to see. Good to see. And that was, they took all six games from the fighting Phils who didn't put up much of a fight. Yeah, that's unusual, too, because usually the Phillies usually take care of the Cubs. I mean... I don't think that if, they, if you look at their all-time records, I think the Phillies 
have gotten the best of the Cubs more times than not. All right, so Crowley, I had predicted one out of three. You were two out of three, and there, there the Cubs go, right? They took out the brooms, they swept the Phillies. I wonder what kind of odds we could have gotten on that <laughs> on Tuesday night, okay? That they were gonna actually that they were actually gonna sweep them. So a little news to go over. Um, a little early in the week, Wilson Contreras spoke to the beat writers ahead of him coming off the IL. And then today, there was a 30-minute pregame interview with Jason Hayward. You saw a lot of both of these interviews, Crowley. Yeah, well, Wilson, Wilson Contreras was more just talking to the beat writers. It wasn't as long as Jay Hayes, but, you know, he was asked, what matters no, most? No, no, it wasn't 30 minutes, no, right. Yeah, what matters most, security or winning, right? So when we talked about Chris Bryant, one of his big deals, especially with Colorado, was he wanted to be somewhere where he wasn't going anywhere. Seven years, no trade, you know, that's the security that some players want. Or winning, what matters most? And Wilson said, and I thought this was kind of a pointed comment here, he wants to go where he feels wanted for what he brings on and off the field. He said he'd consider a qualifying offer, which – he may have to, but in this situation, he is not feeling the love. He's not feeling wanted, and obviously he has good reason to feel that way. I don't know if it's the fact that you and I have known each other for quite a while and have done this podcast now for this entire season. That is exactly the comment from all the comments that he made the other day. That was exactly the comment that I brought up on the Mully and Haw show. That is what stuck out to me the most. He wants to go somewhere where he feels wanted where he feels respected about what he does on and off the field, what he means to the organization. And I really hope the Cubs let him know. I think maybe the market should have told him what exactly he is worth financially. Okay. And then the Cubs should take that number and then add maybe a million dollars to it because of what he has meant to the organization over the course of time. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. We'll see what happens. You know, as far as catching is concerned, the Cubs kind of took a lump with uh, Miguel Amaya hurting his ankle. You know, it just he seems to have a lot of bad luck with injuries. Um, but you also saw, you know, some production out of um, – we talked about Jan Gomes and P.J. Higgins looked like a suitable backup. So there, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen in the offseason. And, uh, you know, it's – you know, you never know how it plays out, but it's, it, you know, the Cubs are obviously going to give the qualifying offer because if he turns it down, they get a draft pick. So they're not going right. to not offer him anything. They're going to make the qualifying offer. It's just a question of will he take it or not. And then at that point, are we doing trade watch 2022 all over again next season? Any guess, Crowley? What kind of an offer do you think that would be? Well, he wants JT Real Muto money, and I just don't think he's go- it's, it's I just don't think it's out there. Um, we'll, you know, boy, it's going to be tough to say. I mean, let's go four years, maybe at, uh, 60 million, maybe. Okay. All right. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Very, but we'll, very we'll see. interesting. Now I also, I'll say, I'll admit, and I'll say that I have been one of those that have given Jason Hayward a hard time in the, in the media, um, on, on 670 to score, not as hard as some, but just as much as anybody else. Um, you know, you are taking this from a different perspective. You've met the guy, you've been around the guy. Um, there's no doubt how important he was the year the Cubs won the world series, but what was your overall take on what you heard today from Jason Hayward Crowley? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would say that when you take a look at a guy like Jason Hayward, you know, sometimes we forget that these ball players are human beings. Um, and what he did out there, let's let's put a couple of things out there. Number one, kudos for Marquis for carrying it. That's why you have your own network. So absolutely exactly. bravo on that. Exactly. Yep. Let's kick another kudos to Jay Hay because he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to go in front of the media. He could have just gone to his locker. He made himself available to talk to the reporters to answer questions and they weren't all easy questions. They all, they weren't nice questions. Some of them, you know, some of them were difficult questions to answer, but I think he did what he always did, which was he was poised. He was articulate. Uh, I, I, I tweeted after it that I, I, I laughed, I cried, I thought about things. I mean, like it was just a really emotional interview and you know, it, it's just tough because, you know, we're down to the final two of the 2016 team with Wilson Contreras and now Kyle Hendricks. And we don't know if Wilson's back next year. So, you know, it's, it's just another piece that's gone, but Jay, Hay, I mean, it was a massive contract and, and he was asked about the contract and, and he said, no, it didn't, you know, you know, it, it put more, obviously more spotlight on him, but it didn't impact how he perform, how he, had, he came to work every day and try to improve his craft. Um, but that is hard. I mean, you know, when you can't, you can't be the highest paid player by a big chunk and, and, and struggle as much as he did. Now he did, you know, bring up the fact that uh, if he has the opportunity to play baseball, he will, if there's a good fit, he's not going to just be like kind of some, like he's not going to take a minor league deal, right? He, he wants to be on a team that respects him, that wants him to kind of be like a final winning type of piece um, but he's just not going to take any offer that's thrown his way. Uh, he was appreciative of Jed's honesty, you know, kind of coming up to him and, and just being like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going and this is why we're doing it. And and you and I both know, Dustin, sometimes it's really good when, when, when you know, your employer is just honest with you. Just be honest. Let's kind of let's let's where we stand. And, and, and that's a good thing. Um, he talked about the speech and I thought that that was really interesting the way that he kind of talked about it. Um, and he brought it up a couple times about his, you know, his, the way that he led the team as far as talking about, you know, do be you, be yourself as a player, kind always fight, you know, your gladiators is, is the con- contest he went there. And he was asked, why did he do it at that moment with that speech? And he said that the whole year, the team was just always, always confident. He said, you know, you got a bunch of talkers, Dexter Fowler, you got Anthony Rizzo, you know, you just got this great team. And he said, after that, you know, Obviously, Rollis Chapman, you remember, was crying, and he said the team was stunned, and rightfully so. And I wanted to remind them who they were and what they do and how we do it and keep doing it for the rest of the year. And he believes it did have an effect uh, on the team, and I don't doubt that any any way, shape, or form. Um, he he was thinking about getting into – he was asked if he would what, what he wants to look at for the next part of his career – whether that's going to be a, as a manager or a GM or something along that line. And I thought his answer was interesting. He was thinking about getting into some sort of minority ownership situation where he has obviously, obviously the Ricketts are the majority owners, but there's also <laughs> other um, minority owners that have a small stake in it. 
And he says he wants to bridge the, 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 he wants to build a bridge between the office and the clubhouse. And I couldn't think of a better role for anyone like for, for Jay Hay like that. Uh, he also talked about Ross's leadership though. And, you know, it's just really funny just telling stories about when he was a rookie and David Ross, you know, sometimes putting the arm around him, sometimes giving him a scolding, but teaching him how to be a major leaguer. And, and he talked about how David Ross respects the game and how he expects other people to respect the game. And so it was just funny, you know, where, where Jason, you know, David Ross is talking about, you know, he's sitting next to Jason here where he says, Rook, those, those, those flip-flops don't go in my, don't go near my locker, you know, just kind of, you know, just all the stuff you kind of see in the movies and you hear about it. But, you know, it was just a wonderful speech. He talked about how much he loves Chicago. His wife is from Chicago. His, uh, his son was born in Chicago. And so he plans on keeping a house in Chicago. Um, they're building a sports complex. Um, I want to say it's in the Southwest side. And so he's had a huge role in that. And think about that. He doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to do nope. that. And he didn't have to do it in Chicago. He could have gone back home to Georgia, but where he's from, but he did it here. And so that just says a lot about the man and the human being. And, you know, there are, you know, I, I think about him and, and, and I think about Ben Zobrist as two guys, how much I would love for the, I guess I could probably say that about most of the 2016 John, John Lester, you know, how I'd just love these guys to kind of have some of these roles, you know, some of these guys just have gotten out of baseball, but you know, how, how is Ben Zobris not, you know, how could you incorporate him into the organization? Jason Hayward, you know, John Lester, these are all great guys that you want to keep in the organization. And I think the main thing that Jason Hayward talk about is, you know, he was asked, uh, what was the question? I think it was Gordon's question. Right. And, uh, he, he talked, what was the question? How was it worded? I'm trying to remember. But uh, mainly talking about the fact that he, you know, maybe he had some tough times here in Chicago, but he never stopped running the bases hard, playing good defense. Obviously, the bat wasn't there, but he said he had his hand in a lot of winning and on a lot of winning teams. And he did, you know, he was with St. Louis. He was with Atlanta. He was with the Cubs when they were their most successful. And so, you know, what does that say about Jason Hayward? Yeah, you know, I mean, overall, I think he's an overall He's a really good guy. The hardest part is it's hard for it's hard for people, it's hard for the media, it's hard for the fans, Crowley, to get over the the huge contract. It just is. It's very hard. It's just very hard to get that out of your mind. And it's and and, and there's a frustration sometimes that boils over because you know I, I I can't tell you how many times I thought about if Jason Hayward just hit two sixty five with you know twenty home runs and maybe sixty RBIs, would we have another World Series title right now? You know, right. Very, it, very, it, very possible. Very possible. I, I wasn't asking for the guy to be a triple crown winner. I'm not asking him to, you know, do this or that. Just, Hey man, how about you, 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 you do a little something and you know, just, I don't know. It, it is frustrating, but again, at the same time, he was a, a leader in that clubhouse. He was a leader in the organization and a leader in the community. And, and those care, those characteristics don't come around that often. Nope. Nope. Good guy off the field. That has to be um, accounted for. If we want to give guys crap, Crowley, because of what, uh, you know, dopes they are when they do stuff off the field, I think we have to also be fair and balanced enough to point out when guys do unbelievable things in the community, even when they're not looking for an attaboy or a pat on the back. Also, I see here as we were getting ready for the show, you mentioned a tweet by Ferguson Jenkins. Yeah. So Fergie, you know, Fergie's kind of old school, but you know, we talked about this with our friends from uh, garlic fries and baseball guys about the 
Aaron Judge. Everybody was paying attention to it. And my buddy next to me in the bleachers had an alert every time he came up. So we watched um, the at-bats that he was having. And nice. he got to six, He got to 61 last night, obviously. But Fergie the Jenkins made eh, some interesting comments, I would say, about the – he said, congratulations, and he tweeted the Judge 44. Many, including myself, consider your next home run to be the all-time single-season record Go get him, implying that Fergie doesn't recognize the records of Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, and uh, the account and uh, Mark McGuire. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see, I see both sides of it. Um, uh, I thought it was great. I, I just, can you imagine being a, an adult? You took your mitt to a game, and that ball bounced off your glove and went into the uh, bullpen of the Blue Jays. And did you see Unreal. the tweet? Did you see the tweet from the Blue Jays? So the Blue Jays bullpen coach is a former big leaguer. I, I forget what his name is off the top of my head, but he's married to um, a woman that is a sideline reporter for the NFL. I believe the NFL Network, and they have a home in Tampa. So Tampa's getting pounded, right? Tampa's getting pounded by the uh, hurricane yesterday, and she sees that uh, the husband is giving away a ball that could be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars potentially and she's like i'm down here making sure we still have a house and you're handing a three hundred thousand dollar ball back to the yankees i'm officially divorcing you she was kidding of course <laughs> but it was it was very funny how it all played out uh, yeah and, on social and, and, media here's what i'm gonna tell you dustin i i would say that that ball is worth probably a couple million um a couple million anytime, really? the 61st i would think the 62nd probably the 62nd but even this i think the here, here's what i'm gonna tell you more. Here's what I'm going to tell you why, though, is the fact that whenever you talk about uh, memorabilia and you talk about New York, obviously, just the dollar amounts, especially the Yankees, totally they just right? go yep. up. So that's kind of what good my point. thinking. Very, very good point. All right. Obviously, there were some roster moves. We talked about some of the guys who had big impacts on the series against the Phillies. So Saya and Wilson Contreras are both back. Um, Jared Young back to Iowa. They DFA'd one of the guys that I love how you say his name. So I'm going to let you go ahead and say his name. Who did they DFA, Crowley? Michael Hermosillo. Very good. Almost as good as Pat Hughes rolling that H. And then uh, everybody's favorite ex-White Sox, now Cub, Nick Madrigal, shut down for the year. Yeah, he's had those groin issues and and, and, and this and that. I, I have a funny story, a Michael Hermosillo story, right? As uh, it, It's spring training, right? And, you know, he, you know, Hermosillo just looks cool. He's got the glasses. He's got the, like the dreadlocks. I mean, just, just looks cool, you know? And so if you go to Arizona, you go to spring training, the Cubs complex is to the left and the stadiums to the right. And there's this pathway. And usually the big, big players, some of them do like back in the day when like Chris Bryant and Rizzo were big, they would take like a golf cart and kind of make a roundabout way. But like for kind of like, especially the minor league players or maybe like the, the role player type of guys, they come down and they sign autographs and they take pictures. Well, it was spring training and the club 400, we have a tent there and we have plenty of ice cold club 400 beers. And I had had a few and I saw, and a lot of times, you know, my mom is Ecuadorian and so I speak Spanish and I see Michael Hermosillo, right. And I see all, whenever I would see the Latino players, I would, you know, start talking to them in Spanish and they got all excited, you know, to be able to kind of communicate. I saw Hermosillo. I mean, I mean, that's a little, that's a great Spanish name. And so, yo, right. Miguel, como estas? Cosa que está pasando? He goes, bro, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> so, that so needless is classic. to classic. 
Bro, Needless to I say, don't I... speak Spanish. <laughs> Love it. Love so it. that was my Hermosillo story. But uh, sadly, a little minor league uh, update. We were watching the Tennessee Smokies. They got out to a one nothing series lead against the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And they had two of the next games. They had to win one of the next two at home in Kodak, Tennessee at Smoky Stadium. Didn't happen. Uh, in game two, Riley Thompson went five innings pitch, had eight Ks, looked good. They had a one nothing lead on a Jonathan Peralta double. But the sixth inning was a disaster. Pensacola scored seven runs, all of them, Dustin, with two outs. It took four pitchers to get out of the inning, and that was the final, 7-1. to one. Unreal. Tough way to and lose. Then, Tough way to lose. And then game three, the winner take all. Tennessee lost 11-4. to four. Uh, Ben Brown, uh, who we got in the David Robertson trade with the Phillies, actually, he looked really good. But the bullpen had two innings where they gave up four runs each, and the de- defense committed three errors, and – that's just not going to cut it. And so great season for the Tennessee Smokies. We'll have Mick Gillespie on uh, to talk about the season, um, just like we had the guys from uh, Myrtle Beach and from uh, South Bend. But uh, we appreciate everything that the Smokies did and the guys coming on like Max Bain and others. And and for Mick for coming on the podcast, you know, it wasn't the ultimate championship, but hey, one heck of a season. One heck of a season for sure.